Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze. And today, we are diving into some real fun territory, folks. Question, witchcraft. Is it just some harmless little thing that you do once in a while that maybe helps you get along? Or is there something a little more nefarious, a little more sinister to it? I brought someone to help possibly shed a little light on that subject. She came on a few episodes back uh, to give her testimony and to talk about spiritual warfare in general. Um, her name is Sonda Allison of Myrtle Ministries. Sonda, welcome to the show. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our talk today. Well, I'm glad to have you. So uh, before before we dive in, a little bit of housekeeping, guys. Um, as you know, as of episode 50, I have launched uh, Unresolved News. So if you have any, you know, it's, it's, it's a site where I just cover uh, the news from a biblical perspective and maybe delve into areas that people don't talk about much. But I, I try and do it from a perspective that doesn't buy into all the spin so if that's something you would be interested in you can find out what i'm doing over there so uh with that let's dive into the show sonda let's lay down the gauntlet here witchcraft something harmless you know it's so important that we address this because it's become rampant in the united states and i'm i'm surprised if there are people who aren't aware of that but there are occasionally are a few who aren't. But um, with the rise of things like the Harry Potter series books and the m movie, people need to understand the entertainment business. And I came out of the entertainment business. And that's um, something that we just mentioned briefly in my testimony. It do, it's not part of my life now, but for most of my life, it was my uh, career. So I know a little bit about the entertainment business. People do not seem to realize that there is a force that drives Hollywood. There is a force that dictates which films to, are to be made, what content can be included, scripts, how much they push a movie or don't push a movie to the public. All of this has been scripted for a very, very long time. This is not new information. And if you want to do any research on it, you can find some information pretty easily on the internet. It's used on multiple levels. So for people who aren't familiar with this, we can get into it as deeply as you would like to, Teresa. But for those of you who aren't um, very familiar with this, the forms of the occult, they have power. And they will tell you this. They have power. And it's one of the things that draws people in. So some 12-year-old goes with a friend to a meeting at their friend's house, and you don't know that it was actually an occult group getting together you know, or a Wicca group getting together. And um, sometimes parents may be ignorant of this. And part of the reason these kids are drawn into these things is because they see demonstrations of real power taking place in a community that is considered much more hip. Christianity is, is absolutely being attacked on every level around the world right now. So they're getting more, you receive more acceptance. It's not just accepted, it's encouraged. It's used as propaganda in child's cartoons. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can think of a few of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the main issue that we're going to get in today, because I am not an expert on Wicca, but from the spiritual warfare aspect of, of what it means for our culture and what it means for us as individuals, that's really what we're going to address today as we discussed already offline. So one of the main points that needs to be stated right up front is it's not just about getting together with the harmless group. These are, these are groups that are founded on principles. And because power is real, they will tell you that power is real. The power is demonstrated. So the point is, where are you getting the power? Don't tell me I'm a witch, but I'm just a good witch. I just don't harm anybody because that's not even the point. It's where... Are you getting your power? Where? What is the power source? Because there's God, the creator of the universe, and then there's anything else. I have had many conversations where I don't hurt anybody. I, I just, I'm using it to do whatever. And, you know, I, I think I think you're right in the sense that it, it is a draw. Uh, luckily, when I was fully, and I mean really exposed to it and, and, and was sitting down and watching some of the things 
luckily, and I, I had already become a Christian, but I think we're also now seeing a mingling, and, I, and I've actually become just exposed to this just recently, of what they call Christo-Wicca, where they're trying to combine Christianity and Wicca. Last I checked, that can't be combined. Right. And you would never fall for something like that if you understood what Christianity actually is. You know, globally and historically, Christians and Jews have been referred to as the people of the book. The people of the book. That means the book is the Bible. That's what's referred to in that statement. If you actually understand what the Bible has to say, and you know, um, hopefully you're... um, your listeners will know from our last couple of interviews, but for the new listeners, I'll say it again. I am a big advocate, and in my ministry, I'm very, very fierce about this. You have to take the Bible from cover to cover, not just a part of the Bible, not just a couple of books of the Bible, not just the four Gospels, not just the New Testament. You have to take the Bible from cover to cover. God does not make mistakes. God does not say, oh, oops, um, you know, I decided to do this new covenant and rewrite the old one, so none of this matters anymore. No, there is a wealth of information that we need in the love story that God gave us in the Old Testament, talking about how we got separated from Him, the consequences that come about from us being separated from Him. And all of that information directly applies to this conversation that we're having. Because if we understand those things, we won't be deceived. Guess what Jesus said in Matthew 24 when He was asked, what do we need to watch for for your return? The first thing out of His mouth was, do not be deceived. And He restated it three times in like, I think it's 10 verses. Yeah, I think maybe he wanted to get a point across. Right. And what you just brought up is a perfect example of that. We should never fall for that. If you know the scripture, you would never fall for that. And you would never fall for something like Chrislam, which people have been trying to combine Christianity with Islam. No way cannot happen. Let's go back to the idea of there's actual power within witchcraft itself. And I mean, I can honestly see that because a lot of people sit there and they say, well, Christianity, it's boring, it's dead, it's dusty. Let's go for something that has a little bit of a kick to it. Yeah. And plus, on top of that, it's pushed in every corner of our culture, on every level, in every form of media. And it's not, and it's because it's considered a cool thing, there's a lot of pressure to accept it on some level. It's incredibly damaging. And just like anybody who specializes in dealing with the occult, um, like myself, even though I'm not what's called an expert in the occult, I am a professional in the area of spiritual warfare, which deals with the occult. So anybody who does the kind of work that I do will tell you, you cannot ever do things like playing with a Ouija board doing tarot cards. All of these things can be used in all the different various forms of paganism and witchcraft and the various branches and flavors of the occult, but they are openings to the dark side. And they will often try to romance you. Um, They will try to appear as someone that you know or that you loved in the past. Like I've heard people talk about, um, and I've had clients who have talked about how they had, uh, they woke up feeling a presence in the middle of the night and saw their grandmother standing at the foot of their bed. And from that day forward, they started having satanic attack, you know, so they want to take appearances that seems benign. They want to, they want to seduce you. They lure you. And, you know, we've talked about this, uh, Teresa and I talk all the time. We are We have adopted each other as family, so just so the the listeners know this. Um, We talk about this all the time. I point out that the occult does the inversion of God's structure. So whatever you see that God wants to do, many of those main points are turned upside down and perverted in the occult. And that's why one of the tenets of, of the occult is as above, so below. It's a mirror image, but in the perverse. So when we're talking about this, how the dark side wants to seduce you, you know, I had a a professor in school once, he said, the devil doesn't run in and turn the lights on and shake his face and go in your face. He dims the light and gives you breadcrumbs of things that you think are wonderful. And he pulls you into a dark place. Well, how is that mirroring what the Lord does, that verse that I quote all the time with, with you in our conversations and with my clients as well, 
It's that the Lord says in Jeremiah 31, I have, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. God draws us as he romances us, honoring our free choice. So he, he drops these love gifts to us. He doesn't want to overwhelm us. He wants us to be drawn to him as we understand through the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh, he's really real. Oh my gosh, the Bible's really true. And the more we understand about spiritual warfare, that is just a huge eye opener in that the whole word of God from cover to cover is true. So in that converse, in that perversion of one of those tenets of who God, who God is, the character of God, the enemy wants to seduce you in a different way. And in a perverse way to get you fully submerged in darkness. And once you open up to it, even in small ways, it's very often incredibly, dif- incredibly difficult to close that door. And that's why people like me who have ministries like this, we get inundated with people. And I have clients all over the country. As she's bringing up different aspects, I mean, how, because you're right, this stuff, it, it permeates everywhere. I can think of shows that I used to watch or, you know, that, that uh, were around. I, I don't think they're around now. Um, I can think of books that I read. And now it's like, you know what? I hear portions of these books now and the perversion of them is so clear to me. I mean, it is so clear. You brought up the Harry Potter series. Okay. I ended up getting hooked into that series as a teenager. Became a Christian, didn't think much of it, then got to the end of the series, was rather disgusted with the ending, <laughs> you know, but but it's something so, oh, this won't hurt anything. It's just a book series. What's wrong with it? All these, all these, there's a bunch of Christians over here burning the books. They're going overboard. <laughs> but I mean, it, isn't that kind of a, a, a small way that the enemy kind of drags you in? Well, I would argue it's not a small way at all. I argue that this is a huge tool of the enemy. It's been said that one of the greatest lies the enemy ever did, ever achieved within the larger umbrella of the Christian faith is to get people to believe that he doesn't exist. But I argue that it's even more than that. If that was number one, I would say the second biggest win that he ever got was convincing the larger Christian church that spiritual warfare is not necessary and to not teach it anymore because those are the very tools that teach you how to stay victorious over the forces of darkness. So now not only have, have we had several generations of people not taught how to conduct proper spiritual warfare anymore and how to be alert and watch what's going on on, you know, like I like to use the word taking the, the temperature spiritually, but now not only are you not taught those skills, the church is being attacked more from within more than ever before. So it's a double, it's a double whammy. It's not a small thing. It's a huge thing. The church has been seduced into this. Churches are doing Halloween celebrations, singing and performing Michael Jackson's thriller on stage. They act like this is not a big deal. I have had friends ever since the Harry Potter series came out. They bought all the books. They read them. They encouraged all their children to read them. And I have had friends in the church who watch all the Harry Potter movies incessantly. They just constantly are watching one of the Harry Potter movies. And I try to explain to them, don't you understand what's happening here? You are training yourself and your children in the art of witchcraft. You are training them in witchcraft. And at the very least, even if we're looking in a superficial way, you're desensitizing yourself and your children to any form of darkness. So that you just moved the bar from where it was way up here all the way down to near the ground. So they're going to be easily seduced by any kind of form of darkness that comes in a lighter sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you actually look at the series, and again, I this is just an example. Uh, when it starts out, it starts out as something very benign, very... Uh, there's this kid, he doesn't, there's something wrong with him. You know, he's got a really crappy lot in life. And it, I mean, as the series goes on, it gets darker and darker and darker and darker. And by the end of it, you're going, yuck. And that's not the only, um, example that I can think of. Uh, you know, there used to be a series called Charmed. Mm-hmm. I okay. That. Yeah. And I used to watch it a lot, you know, with my family. Okay. I didn't know. And then I became a person. All of a sudden I'm watching an episode. I'm like, what am I doing? 
no, 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 I don't want this. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit will give us these clues, but a lot of people ignore it. And if you refuse to hear it, then the Holy Spirit's going to stop speaking to you. You know, if you just refuse to listen to these cautions, but here's something, let's go back to Harry Potter for a second, because I never hear anybody. I don't think I've ever heard anyone address this. People will talk about the witchcraft, but they don't talk about some of the other stuff. And it's in the very beginning of the series, child abuse, incredibly unsafe adults. And I have watched people give small children these books. I had friends that gave it to nine and 10 year olds their children to read. And they don't seem to understand you are seeding the, the, the fruit of division. So now as they grow up on these books, you've already taught them that adults aren't safe, that there's all forms of abuse, that the adults are the ones that know, and they just need to go be with people who understand them. So even if you start getting a revelation and listening to the Holy Spirit that you have done a really dumb thing, <laughs> and I'm sorry, because it just is. Even if you start getting that, guess what? You've already had those seeds of division planted that have taken root over the years. And you think your children are going to listen to you now? No, they're just going to view you as one of the people that just doesn't understand. You don't Oh, understand. wow. I've never made that connection. But I mean, it, it, it's true. I mean, it's full on child abuse. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, especially in, especially in the first book. If you actually sit down and you read through that first book, which, by the way, I don't recommend. <laughs> Please don't <laughs> stay away from it. I am. <laughs> I I've read through all seven of the blasted things. It it this is not worth your time, not worth your energy. But if you but if you have read through the first book, then you know it's rampant with. I mean, this kid is just bombarded with with stuff, and you know, treated like he doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. He's sent to his room all the time. He's not supposed to eat. He's he's no, treated he like garbage. He gets abused. Well, I remember in, in one of the movies where he's in his room upstairs and he's not allowed to leave his room. And he just, at some point, they don't want to give him anything to eat. I mean, there's just unbelievable child abuse throughout this whole series. It's absolutely abominable. It's one of the things where I just go, how can you endorse this? How can you keep, you're bathing your mind in this toxic stuff. You know, and it's from the 70s. I, you know, people who are older from the, you know, that remember the 70s in church, you would have heard somewhere if you were in any sort of conservative church, they would have said garbage in, garbage out. And it's totally true. <laughs> garbage in, garbage out. But I mean, let's, let's, let's look at this kind of, let's kind of move back from the Harry Potter series for a minute. I mean, because that's, that's like one aspect of it. You spoke on uh, tarot card reading. Now, is that a part of witchcraft in your mind? Well, it depends on what your definition is. In our For our conversation, we're not using any sort of technical definition. We're using it in the broader sense. I would not necessarily apply it to witchcraft, but it does apply to the occult. It is an occult thing. It is an occult tool. It's definitely a problem. And, you know, I want to make sure listeners, you know, because we've had response from people who heard the other uh, broadcasts that we've t- talked about, um, spiritual warfare. I want to make sure people understand this is very powerful stuff. And the seduction is very powerful. When you open these doors, it can be very difficult to close them. And there's what's called uh, the word fascination. Literally, it's almost like this is not the technical definition, but it is the definition of, in spirit of what the word means. Fascination, one of the definitions, is almost like a magical hold it has over you, where you just want to know more and more and more about it, or you just keep talking about it all the time, or you're so drawn to it. I have a client right now who was drawn to these types of things, and all of this stuff kept happening to him. He's had some very difficult things he's had to deal with, and there's powerful things now that we have to break because there was nowhere for him to go. So once you open these doors, you might not be able to close them. And especially not knowing how to conduct spiritual warfare in a proper, strong, biblical founded sense. They don't have to listen to you because you don't want them there. It's very similar to the dudes in uh, the Bible where uh, the, who is it? The sons of Sons Skiva. of Skiva. Mm-hmm. Right. They're like, yeah, hey, yo, get out of here in the name of Jesus, whom so-and-so preaches. And they're like, hmm. We know this guy. We know Jesus. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And and people don't like to remember they went back to the village bloody and naked. They got beaten up. Okay. 
So yeah, this is very serious stuff. The power is very real and the seduction is very real. So you need to recognize that. You need to start shutting the door for anybody out there that's done this in the past. I want to make sure you understand you need to, it's uh, like cleansing of soul ties. You need to think of every time that you've done something that was from the occult, whether it's tarot cards, reading of horoscopes, um, mirror spells, uh, mirrors are used a lot, gazing into uh, bowls of water, um, anything like that. Lots of uh, Harry Potter movies, um, fascination with the occult, any type of deep fascination with or trying to, you know, sometimes people say, well, I'm kind of studying it because I want to know, but they're really not studying it. They're really just fascinated with ghost hunting. Um, so if you've ever done stuff like that, you need to sit down as soon as you get, we get off this broadcast, you need to sit down, go before the Lord, ask him to bring back to your memory. Every time that you've done this, write them down and go through them one by one, repent for each one and ask the Lord in the name of Yeshua, Jesus, by the blood of Yeshua, Jesus to break any tie connection or contract that was created with that act. Now, can just being, let's say you weren't the one involved with it, but you were around when it was done. Are you also, is that also a situation where you would have to go through and do that? Well, you know, that gets kind of sticky. It depends on the situation, but it absolutely can happen. And they have a tendency to jump onto people, attach to people. They actually do, even though some people have tried to say it's not true, I can prove that it does. Um, I've had clients deal with this. They attach to things. It's what's called charmed objects or charged objects. Spells and curses and things can be put into objects and then given to a person to bring mayhem into their life. There's all kinds of ways that that can happen. And if you are a person who is of age, let's say we're talking about someone who's like more than 16 or 18. Let's say you went to a party. Let's say it's your first year in college or let's say as you're a senior in high school. Um, excuse me for that sound. I'm sorry. Um, so let's say you're a, a freshman in college, you're a senior in high school. You go to a party and you notice that they start doing this stuff. They want to start playing with a Ouija board or they want to start doing tarot cards. Um, and let's say you don't really feel comfortable with it, but you don't leave the party. That means you chose to stay around the occult being glorified. That is already an opening. See, there's a lot that has to do with our choices and our free will. So if you have the power to leave and you choose not to leave, you've already opened a door. Where where to start from there? Because, I mean, because if you're dealing with stuff that maybe maybe you uh, have have seen stuff or, God forbid, been, been around stuff, how do you know if it's actually affecting your life? I mean, how do you know what should you look for for uh, signs that whatever you've encountered? Is, is is a problem today, even if it was like years ago? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And that's one of the first questions a lot of people ask me. And it's a huge spectrum. It can be small things or it can be really large things. And I've seen just about everything. <laughs> so I've had literal, I have had clients who literally have had full-blown poltergeist activity in their homes. And these, I don't, you know, just to restate this, if you're a new listener and you didn't hear the other podcast that I've done with Teresa, I only work with clients who are solid Christians. I don't work with people who aren't believers. So these are solid Christians who some of them have been in ministry for years and they have endured this torment and not had any place to go to get help. And they were not able to get it out of their home. Okay. So this is the kind of stuff. These are the people that could be in leadership in your church. These are people who could be sitting next to you in, in the seat or the pew right next to you in your church. These are people who might be pillars of the community in your church who have struggled with these things and they have silently dealt with it because they know there's no place to go. Now, on the other hand, I've had other people and believe it or not, I've had multiple clients deal with this being attacked in the middle of the night by a demonic spirit frequently. And it's gone on for years. And no matter what they did, they could not get it to stop. Uh, On the other end of the spectrum, you might have just things that seem really suspicious. Um, Is there a pattern in your family of um, infidelity? You know, your grandfather was unfaithful, your father was unfaithful, and now you're married to someone who's unfaithful, or you have become unfaithful to your own husband. 
is there a pattern of un- un- infidelity in your in your family? That's absolutely a stronghold that needs to be broken. Are strongholds spiritually necessarily tied to the occult? Yes, they're they're tied to the dark side. It's the equivalent of a type of a curse that's on the family line. It's also referred to as generational cursing. It can get started by somebody and then it just gets passed down and passed down and passed down. And you just, and only when you start writing, matter of fact, one of the things I do with all of my clients, they all have to fill out a family tree, a generation. It's called a genogram. It's your family tree history back three or four generations. And it's only when I do this, my clients will go, wow, you're right. I never noticed that. There's a pattern of infidelity all the way through that side of my family on every single generation. And they don't notice it until they do a family tree. When it's something like that, there's no question that there's some force of darkness associated with it. Just because somebody does something wrong doesn't mean it's tied to the occult. Just because there's some sin that's committed doesn't necessarily mean that it's tied to a demonic attack. But it's the patterns. You asked me, how do we know when things are? When you start looking at patterns that keep showing up, like um, one thing that I've had several clients have dealt with is a spirits of poverty, spirits of destruction. And some of the ways that that shows up is if uh, you know someone in your family or if you yourself, yourself, you are, maybe you're an overachiever. Maybe you got the best grades ever. Maybe you have a fantastic work history. Maybe people hire you with all the hopes in the world because you have the most outstanding Um, qualifications and you get in the job and you're doing the outstanding work that they hired you to do and you're being recognized publicly for the work that you're doing. And then six months or a year in, all of a sudden these disasters just take place and you end up losing your job. Maybe you got laid off because of something sudden and it happens over and over and over again. Not just one time, but it happens over and over and over again. The same thing. Every time something, you're getting to the point where you're really starting to receive favor from the Lord in financial ways from all of the work that you've put in, all of this destruction just explodes. That, if there's a pattern of that, there's a high, um, high suspicion that that could have some sort of a dark influence, that it could be some sort of a curse on your life. Let's take your example of someone who's the overachiever and he's doing really, really good and and things just kind of blow up in his face and he's like, what is up with this? You know, the question then becomes, okay, why didn't God just clue me in so I could deal with the problem? He did. Are you listening, people? (laughs) He did. It's called the Bible. Matter of fact, you've heard me say this before, and I said it in one of our prayer podcasts. One of my favorite ministries, I love him because I've known him personally, and he's exactly who he presents himself to be. It's L.A. Marzulli. He refers to the Bible as the guidebook to the supernatural, and that's exactly what it is. We are taught in the guidebook to the supernatural, in the biblical text from cover to cover, and how to deal with this. We are told that we can have generational curses that can affect many generations if we don't watch it. We're told this over and over again. It's throughout scripture. So we are told. That's why I started by saying it's the love letter from God giving us the heads up about what has separated us from him, what the consequences are from not knowing his word are going to be. This is where we find this. And that's why I insist on, in my own ministry, in Myrtle Ministries, we use the Bible from cover to cover. We don't just use one book. The Lord didn't make mistakes. He didn't say, oh, gee, you know, I I got this new covenant thing, so I I guess I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I need to come up with something different, so I'm going to change the plan. That is not God. God is eternal. God does not make mistakes. God, there's not a random molecule in the universe, or God, by definition, would not be the God that we believe in. So it philosophically just, you have nothing. You can't even go there. He's either the God that we believe in or he's not. Okay. But you know, the, the question, cause I've heard a lot of Christians or a lot of arguments that say, well, this whole generational curse thing doesn't exist. That's just, you know, no, that's not, that's not true. So how, why, what? Well, people say lots of things. It doesn't make it true. The Bible tells us over and over again, I just stated that they t- the Bible tells us there are generational curses. It doesn't matter whether you want it to be true or not. That's a fact. 
So if you're seeing evidence of it in your family and you keep standing, standing there saying, well, there are no such thing, but yet you're seeing the evidence of it. And the Bible also tells you that it's a thing. Then guess who has the problem? It's not the Bible and it's not God. We've been raised in modern American Christian culture in the last like 30, 40 years. It has become increasingly heretical. I mean, it's very hard to find churches that teach the whole word of God anymore. And we get that question all the time. I get that question all the time. Other people that are in ministries that we we respect, like Dr. Michael Lake, he gets that question all the time. Um, It's hard to find churches that will teach the whole word of God. And that's part of the problem. We've, We've developed this view. And sometimes we don't realize in our conscious mind that that's what we're thinking. But we've kind of just developed this view that, well, you don't want to get too crazy. Sex before marriage is not that big of a thing. Come on, don't get crazy about it. You're not hurting anybody. Well, I'm sorry, excuse me. Yes, there are spiritual consequences that come with those things. That's why when you have spiritual warfare, you have to go through and break all the soul ties because that stuff is very real. You know, that's why when people get adopted, sometimes you have to go through and break the generational cursing from the adopted family because you have been taken in. There are things that when we are brought into a family line or when we accept a family line, when we're married into a family line, we can start seeing things that weren't there before. We, the evidence is everywhere. I see it all the time. So anybody who claims that it doesn't exist either doesn't want to know the truth or isn't paying attention. How do you break the thing? How do you, how do you send this thing packing? Well, it would be the same for any, anything. That's the thing. That's the good news. The, the instructions that God gave us in the Bible, it's not rocket science, you know, to use that idiom. It's not rocket science, but you have to be taught how to do it. And you have to walk through it with someone who shows you in discipleship how to actually learn to walk that out in everyday life. Spiritual warfare is not something you do just in an emergency. It's part of the mature believer's responsibility 24-7 for the rest of our lives. It's part of being a mature believer. It's part of me having the red flag go off when I walk into a place and then I realize five minutes later that there's a bunch of people um, from uh, a witchcraft coven standing right around the corner that I didn't see when I walk in. And the Lord's just alerting me, hey, keep your armor on. If I'm not paying attention to that, and if I haven't been taught spiritual warfare, I'm not going to pay it. I'm not even going to receive that, that alert that the Holy Spirit's trying to give me. So there's multiple aspects of spiritual warfare that we have to learn to walk out. So to answer your question, when you have something like this, you have to break it. Many times we can break these things ourselves. If we're strong believers and we know what we're supposed to do, and then we do it correctly, we can break these things. But depending on how strong they are, depending on whether or not it's generational, depending on how much you've had to do with opening yourself up to it, you know, because there's a difference between things being done to you without your permission, and then things that you've actually opened up to and chosen yourself, it adds more power and more strength in many cases. So all of that, you know, there's a caveat there. If you have some of these things, you always want to do, do the first thing is repentance. Bring it before the Lord and repent about it. Repentance is kryptonite to the forces of darkness. So repentance isn't something just when you notice you've done something wrong. Repentance, I like to say, is a, say is a state of being. Walk in repentance. I repent all the time. And I teach my clients to do it all the time. You know, um, over everything. It should just be part of our regular communication with the Lord. So, boy, Lord, I'm so sorry as I'm getting in my car. Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't think I, I was paying attention. I'm, you know, that checkout person who was checking me out in the grocery store, she seemed a little sad and I could have, that could have been a ministry opportunity. I could have said, you know, um, I'll pray for you when I get in the car. You seem sad today. And I didn't say that. So, Lord, I'm sorry. Maybe I wasn't paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Well, if I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit trying to give me a message, guess what? That's disobedience. So the point is, don't wait for God to beat you over the head with it and say, you were disobedient here today. Just stay in that state of communication with him all the time. It's like, Lord, was I, was I a little harsh with that person? I'm sorry. I repent of that if I did that today. You know, I kind of, you know, maybe I spoke too harshly to my children or maybe it's the converse. Maybe you have the problem where you, you speak kindly to your children all the time and you refuse to be, you know, to set proper boundaries with them. That's all disobedience too. So whichever way you tend to have the error, you know, we should be walking in, in repentance on a regular basis. So repent, 
So Lord, um, if this is a major, you know, I want to go before the Lord and say, Lord, this issue that I've noticed, uh, this brought to mind today, this, this podcast I heard brought this to mind. Is this something I need to repent for? Is this a generational curse in my family? Or is there some sort of a spiritual interference that's going on with me or my husband not being able, you know, to every time something starts to go really well, it just destruction happens. Is that something spiritual that's coming against us? Please reveal that to us. And um, so the next part, you know, you repent, of course, you go before the Lord asking him for revelation on these things by the Holy Spirit. Um, and I teach everybody to dedicate your sleep and dreams because the Lord will often speak to us in our sleep or in our dreams. You might wake up feeling like you either the Lord gave you a dream and gave you an answer or was you when you're waking up in the morning, if you're dedicating your sleep and your dreams, you might feel like you've got an answer. Just It just might come to your mind as you're waking up. Um, the other thing is you want to learn how to rebuke appropriately. A lot of people are taught to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Well, I teach my clients, no, don't do that. And here's why. And this is really, really important. Don't say, the, don't say I rebuke you. Say the Lord rebuke you. And here's the reason I teach people to do this. And it's 100% scripture. Okay, so I'm going to give you the scriptures so you can look it up yourself. One of them is Jude 1.9. And here's the scripture. Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to condemn him for slander, but said, quote, the Lord rebuke you. And that's an angel. Right. That's not just an angel. That's the archangel. Michael's an archangel. So even the archangel Michael did not say, I rebuke you. And that's a huge clue for us. But there's even another scripture that says it. And it's Zechariah 3, 2. And this is the verse. I'm going to read the verse to you. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. And I find that fascinating. So we, when we put that together with other scriptures that we know, um, like um, we're not supposed to glory, like when the disciples came back to the Lord and they say, you know, boy, even the, the demons flee when we rebuke him in the name of Jesus. He says, yeah, but don't glory in that glory and salvation. So we don't want to go looking for a fight, but we don't want to run from a fight when it crosses our path. We don't want to get arrogant about it. We want to walk in humility, but we are not going to run or shrink or back down. If the enemy tries to attack me or my family, then I'm going to stand strong because my armor's on at all times because I've learned to do that. So I'm going to stand strong. So here are a couple other scriptures on this same subject. And here, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 is one that the word of God is profitable for instruction. So we want to take all of the word of God, not just part of it. And then Malachi 3.11 says, the Lord says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. So if we put all of the scriptures together, and this is just a drop in the bucket, this is just the tip of the iceberg. If we're putting all these scriptures together, and what is our proper posture in spiritual warfare? It's not arrogant. There is nothing in scripture anywhere that allows for an arrogant attitude. I'm supposed to have a healthy respect, not as in idolizing respect, but respect for I'm not going to poke the bear with a stick when it's not necessary kind of respect for the forces of darkness. I, they have power. The Lord has allowed them that power for a time. It's going to run out. What the Lord tells me to do is to be, have my armor on and know how to conduct spiritual warfare on a regular basis according to his word, and to keep them at bay, to take back the terry, to tear down the strongholds, to, um, to gather the lost ones who are not yet saved and ones who have been lost that have been saved and, and strayed away, who maybe they've been seduced by some of what you were talking about, this Christianity merging with Wicca. So we're supposed to be taking the territory back from the enemy. We have to be battle ready at all times, but we're never to be arrogant about it. And that's just a really important thing. Now, once you have that, you rebuke in the correct way. So once you've done, you were asking how to get rid of these things to recap, if you, know, if you think there's that. So repentance, um, going before the Lord, and then um, rebuking appropriately. So you want to rebuke appropriately and say, if, if you're not sure, you can say, if there is any dark energy entity, spirit force, um, or dark technology, I sometimes include, because technology can be used for the forces of darkness. Coming against me or my family, causing destruction that affects our finances and affects our livelihood with our, um, our work, what we put our hands to do is what the, the word of God says, what you set your hands to do. Then the Lord rebuke you and the blood of the lamb be upon you. You are not allowed here because the blood of the lamb is on my forehead. You are not allowed here and any contract that you had is broken right now in the name of Jesus. That's how you start to rebuke. 
Now, let me ask you this, and 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 this is just something that kind of came to me as you were talking. Uh, wouldn't let's say someone came out of uh, those places? Maybe they were pretty high into the whole uh, Wicca thing or other occultic uh, organizations, and they find they they clue in. They say, you know what? I don't want anything. I don't want any part of this, and they get saved. Doesn't that doesn't Christ's blood automatically? Fix the problem. Don't doesn't that automatically sever the ties to these to these organizations and to these entities once they once they become saved? Here's uh, that's a really common question, and I just explained this to a client yesterday. Is it possible for God to deliver you from drug addiction the instant you get saved? Absolutely. We've you know if you've done any research at all or listened to any Christian programming at all, um, and I don't endorse a lot of it. But I'm, I'm referring to good Christian programming who does interviews with people and from a bu- biblical foundation. We've heard stories of this have happening. I've met people where this has happened. I've had one person had severe pain, prayed at a moment of salvation, and the pain completely disappeared and never came back. So can the Lord do these things? Absolutely. Does he do it in every case? No. So here's what we know from scripture and why this occurs. There is something called legal authority. We have to understand how the spiritual realm works. The spiritual realm works in legal authority. And when we're working on God's side, we've got legal authority that we have to learn to use. Okay, so the the word of God talks about um, becoming a believer. Yes, you can get saved, absolutely. But then it talks about the whole spectrum of growing in your faith to become a mature believer where you get off of the milk of the word like a baby and you're on to meat where you're actually chewing and digesting solid food. So there's a whole spectrum of growth there. And during that, because we don't learn spiritual warfare anymore, you're supposed to learn how to, what proper authority is. That's part of what we see demonstrated when, when uh, Yeshua Jesus was teaching the disciples how to use that authority to cast out the demonic. Okay. That's why he said, well, why? And there were some that they couldn't cast out. Well, why couldn't we get these to cast out, be cast out? And he said, well, there's, he said, because this kind can only be defeated with um, prayer and fasting. So what do we learn from that verse? We learn there's multiple kinds. Some have to have a deeper level of spiritual warfare that includes prayer and fasting ahead of time. And some don't. Okay. So we, that verse is very important because it tells us there's multiple kinds. So now to get back to the hierarchy, there's an authority. So in the, the dark side, just as with God's way, there is an authority there. And we've already discussed things like generational access, where once they've been given access, we can see things like infidelity being passed down from generation to generation through a side of the family that every generation, someone's committing adultery against their spouse. So we've got all these different kinds of things that is there because somewhere there was authority given. And like we talked about how you might be an adult, you're over 16 or 18, and you go to a a party where people start pulling out a Ouija board and they want to do a Ouija, you know, all these Ouija board things, or they want to start doing tarot card readings. And you don't really actually go put your hands on it, but you don't leave the party either. Okay, well, we've talked about that is consent. That is free will. You chose to stay in an environment where occult stuff was being was taking place. That is not the same thing as you not knowing that it was there. You know it's there. You chose not to leave. That's an open door. So that can be an open door as well. So there's consent. There's authority that has been given to them. There's only one way that authority is removed. And it's not because somebody took care of it without me knowing. Part of me being a mature believer is I have to learn how to use the authority he's given me, just like the disciples had to use, learn how to do that. So that's what the process of spiritual warfare is. You have to be discipled in that to learn how to do that. And then you're equipped. So for the rest of your life, it's not just about one time. For the rest of your life, you know what happens once you get the house cleaned out, so to speak. Remember that verse that says, a lot of people have heard that verse that says that once you get the house cleaned out, if you don't take care, they come back with seven of their brethren, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we want that kind of company. Right, and the end state is worse than the first, and we definitely don't want that. So we have to learn how to conduct spiritual warfare in the right biblical way 
how to walk in power and love in a sound mind, how to walk in victory, how to stay in that place. And then once the house is cleaned out, if something tries to get back in, you're going to notice it right away because you've learned your spiritual radar dishes set up and tuned properly. Casting them out is one thing. Preventing them in is another thing. There's all these different little skills and aspects that are all involved in spiritual warfare. You know, I'm, I mean, there are so many places that, I mean, just in my own mind and in my own life, I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, there are so many openings that we give and we don't even realize we're doing it until all of a sudden you're sitting there going, what in the world? It seems to me, if I, if I was the enemy, the perfect tactic would be, I want to knock the church out. So I'm just going to like h- hook them in with something that seems so benign. It's not really a danger. It's not really a problem. And once you get a whole bunch of these Christians hooked into it, then they can't really use the weapons that God's given them. Right. Because he loved us so much. He gave us the weapons. That's what just frustrates me and it makes my heart break. But that's also why I have people contacting me for help because they need the help. So let me give you another quick story that really illustrates a lot of what you're, you're bringing up here in this, uh, in this podcast today. There was a story, and I can't remember what state this woman was in, but she was a Christian. She was, a, uh, she was single. She rented out, a, rented out a room in her house to someone. And it was a female who came in, she was young, and this woman thought that it was going to be great, but she didn't really take the time to pray about it before she chose. So this young woman comes into her house, and then it wasn't really working out so well, and she started noticing some behavior that she didn't think was really great. So she told her later, uh, well, I'm not going to renew your lease. I think it's best. I've I've decided I just don't want a, a roommate to share my house with me. And she tried to be nice about it. The young woman was upset, but moved out. And from the moment that this woman, young woman moved out, the woman who owned the house started having all of these horrific things happen. I mean, all kinds of destruction going on. And it was, and to make the story short, it was only through bringing someone in who knew how to do spiritual warfare and deal with occult activity. She had to bring someone into the house who knew how to deal with that. And they started going through the room in the bathroom that belonged to this, this renter, the former renter. And they found underneath the sink, behind something else, you know, in the cabinet, underneath the sink, behind something else, a voodoo doll. So this girl had gotten a voodoo doll, had the spell put on this woman who owned the house and left it in the house without her knowing. This is a believer. Technically speaking, and, and I'll, this is the, the illustration I give all of my clients to understand in a really super easy to remember nutshell, how the demonic realm works they are like really unruly six-year-olds. It's like your child, well, let's say an eight-year-old. Your eight-year-old boy comes into you in the bedroom and says, mom, can I get a cookie? And you say, no, son, I don't want you to get a cookie right now because we're about to have dinner in a few minutes. You walk out of your bedroom. Three minutes later, he's standing there in the kitchen with a half-eaten cookie and chocolate all over his face. And you say, what are you doing? I told you I didn't want you to get a cookie. And he looks at you just as innocent as can be with his eyes like Bambi going, yeah, but you didn't say I couldn't let my brother get me a cookie. That's how they work. They want to get in and around everything you say. They want to try and usurp authority. They want to try and take authority away from you and force you to do it. And if you don't take the authority that God has given you, they will run roughshod all over you. So you have to understand how they work, understand that they are looking for every possible opening. And that's why what I've been explaining today, we've talked several times, free will comes up a lot. They had entrance somewhere. And our job, when someone comes to, when they go to someone like me, we want to take a look, a very close look at what's been going on in your life recently and start trying to put the puzzle pieces together. And that combined with the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us in the process, we find we don't want to just clip the roots off. We don't want to just clip the weeds off at the top level. We want to dig down and get the root of it and pluck it out. That's what the Bible says, pluck it out. So we want to get all the way to the root and find that. Because if I just cast out, casting out demonic, uh, the demonic forces, If you're a strong believer and you know how to do it and you've got your armor and you know how to do all of that properly, casting it out is actually the easy part. But if I don't go through that process with you for you to understand where it got in in the first place, 
six months later, you could have the same problem or worse because it got back in in the same way that it was in before. So we so need gotta, to know you where to shut the door. Yes. If you if there's some problems that are significant in in your life or in your family's life, you need we need to understand where where they um, where some of the roots are. I mean, there's just a lot to this. And I know that, you know, I know we're running uh, shorter on time. I, I, I want to kind of come back and I'm thinking, why don't we bring you back at some point and let's dig a little deeper into this because there are so many elements of spiritual warfare and dealing with this stuff that, that could be broken down and could be talked about. And if we did, I think we'd be here for hours and I'm quite sure that wouldn't work out for our listeners. Yeah. And you know what, let me just point out for the listeners. When people come to me, usually the shortest amount of time that I work with a client, and I work with them about once a week, unless there's an emergency going on, I work with them, we meet once a week. I usually work with the client at least for three months. So that gives them time to learn what's going on, to start ingesting and digesting the information, which is the word of God. What does the word of God teach us to do? Learning how to slowly put that into practice in every moment of every day of your life and then to start walking in it with strength and power and a sound mind. So it takes time to do that. And we need to do that more than ever. And um, that's why I'm so excited about what we've been doing on this podcast. And I wanted to just mention too, that this Wicca thing is one of the fastest growing religions in the United States. Biblical Christianity is on the decline. And you brought up a really great point because people aren't seeing any power in the church. People are not seeing God answer prayer in the church. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> so, and now Wicca is just leaping. I mean, it's breaking records. It's incredibly important that we understand and deal with this problem. And if we can't get ourselves in line, we're certainly not going to be able to help our unsaved friends. We need to be able to talk to these people who are in the darkness of the occult. We need to be able to talk to and pray for and minister to people who have gotten sucked into this Wicca thing who think that they are, quote, a white witch or a white warlock. Let's just, assuming, and this is a, a very big assumption, let's assume we got all our ducks in a row. We figured out the putting our, you know, the, the cleaning out of our own closet thing. Uh, spiritually, you know, we're golden. Right. Okay. So we approach someone who is fully immersed in this Wicca stuff. How do you approach that and go and, and, and offer them the gospel when they look at Christianity and they don't see power, but they, they look at what they're doing and they do see power? There's several things involved, but one, just, you know, you're always supposed to have your armor on. So I, that's a given. We won't go over that again. You're always supposed to have your armor on. Day and night, you put your armor on. I put my armor on every time the Holy Spirit even brings it to my mind. And I teach my clients to do the same thing. I don't care if it's 20 times a day. If it even comes into your mind, Jeb, maybe I should put my armor on. Then the Holy Spirit might be alerting you that there's some sort of danger that's trying to get it. So just, I constantly am saying in the name of Yeshua, I put on my, my full armor of God and the helmet of salvation. I go through the whole thing. Um, so that should be a given. But then in addition to that, we are not supposed to be afraid of these people, but we are supposed to respect with the wisdom of the knowledge of the fact that they have real power. Okay. So I'm not afraid of them, but I, but that's because I'm educated and I've already got my armor on. Right. So if I've got that healthy respect, like you brought up the sons of Sceva, they said, well, we rebuke you in uh, that Jesus, whoever Paul preaches, whatever his name is. They were using it like it was some sort of a magical charm. Like if I wave my wand at you, this particular wand is what's supposed to be working in this, in, you know, this week. So I'm going to use that magical wand. It was a perversion of what was being done by, in the name of Yeshua. So we don't just wave a wand. We don't do that. We understand what we're dealing with, but you know, I've got stores here in my town where there are card carrying open witch people, you know, all the time. And I see them. Sometimes they're coming from their, um, their coven meetings and I'm not afraid of them because I know, but I'm always covered in the armor of God. And I've talked to some of these people, you know, um, they stop and chat with me sometimes in the store. And I'm always praying under my breath and my spirit whenever I'm talking to them and I'm smiling. And, I'm, and I've often said, hey, you know, I'm praying for you. How are you doing? You were, you were sick the last time I was here. Are you feeling better? You know, we should not be afraid. We have the power, people. We have the power. There is nothing from the gates of hell, I don't care how big it is or how loud it growls, that can stand against the Lord God Almighty and the, the anointed of God. 
And we are the sons and daughters of God. If we learn how to do this and learn how to use the warf- weapons of our warfare that he's given us, we don't have to be afraid. Dude, you do have to understand how to do that. And you do have to have confidence and you have to do it with um, respect and wisdom, knowing what you're doing when you're stepping into that. Amen. Amen. And I can say from my experience, I mean, my experience in dealing with these people, if they want power and they don't see it within the church, it just means they haven't seen an accurate portrayal of the gospel. Amen to that. And the other thing is, if you think they're not praying against you, you're fooling yourself. That's what they do. We have testimonies of high-level warlocks who have gotten saved. They, they have a structure in these networks. They have a structure that's very organized. And they're vi- these people are very dedicated to what they do. So they, they have given testimony how they would go through and walk through Christian neighborhoods or go by Christian businesses casting curses on people. If you think this doesn't exist, guess who the curses are going to land on? The ones that don't have a clue. Right. So it doesn't mean that every negative thing that you're encountering is um, somehow of a demonic influence or a curse from somebody in Wicca. But it does mean that a lot of times that the adversity that we're facing can be from things like that if we're not staying covered in the word of God. Because if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to send me a red flag. Hey, I just felt something in my spiritual, you know, my spiritual radar just just was pinged. And I start looking around in the grocery store and then I see someone standing over there that's like just 10 feet away from me who's clearly into the occult. They might be standing there casting a spell on me because just, guess what? Just be, If I'm attuned to the word of God and the Holy Spirit is activated in my life, I can sense when I get near someone who's got real spiritual darkness. Guess what? They can too. When they get near someone who's a Christian, they can feel it. And they hate it and they act against it. What you're saying is we're not the only ones that the uh, uh, outside force, like spiritual forces, in our case, the uh, Lord God, you know, he, he, he lets us know. But the enemy will use the, the, the ones that are firmly in his clutches and warn them, eh, you got one of those Christians over there, go, go do your thing. It, it, I mean, I, that in itself, it seems off the wall. I get it. I could also see where that would actually be true. Well, guess what? Scripture's true. He said, we are in a war. Like it or not, we are in a spiritual war. And it doesn't matter whether people think they're white witches or not. Their power source is from the dark side. And the dark side wants to defeat us, to cause us torment, and then to kill us. And they want to take away the thing that God loves the most, which is us. Amen. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this in dealing with uh, any uh, trying combination of um, Wicca and Christianity or Islam and Christianity, anything you want in Christianity, anything like the cross plus anything is no longer the cross alone. Okay. You start trying to combine Christianity and Wicca. Guess what? It, that is a perversion and that is garbage. You start trying to mess with any of that and, and, and it's no longer Christianity. Yeah, people do it with Buddhism too. You know, they do it with all kinds of things. You just said it perfectly. Amen, sister. I, I know we got to shut it down. I mean, there are so many places we could go and well. Oh, guys, there's always great stuff to talk about. <laughs> guys, if, if you were to consider yourself like a fly on the wall of our conversations, because this is what we do a lot of times. We will just get on and we'll chat about uh, many subjects, um, and it is an honor to uh, 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 have Sonda and what she does on as, as I mean, we have fully partnered with her ministry, and I love it. I love it, and we got some really cool things planned. Um, not going to go into details, but we got some cool, really cool stuff planned together. Yeah, because- we'll surprise them. Oh, yes. I, I think we could probably do that. You oh, know, and, so. if and if they're interested too, I, we didn't say at this time, let me make sure that they know. Visit, you can visit my website at MyrtleMinistries.com. And guys, seriously, if you need help, Sonda is like the best. I have worked with her. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with her. I've talked with her many, multiple times, just, you know, phone, email. And I'm telling you guys, if you if you need help in getting rid of some of these gnarly annoying little punks, she's really good at it. <laughs> you know, so oh father. Um. Anyway, so guys, this has been. This is why I do what I do. And if you guys have any questions or you have a topic that you want me to cover in this area of spiritual warfare, and you want Sonda 
you know, come back and speak to, please, please, please let me know. I can't cover what I don't know. And I can't cover areas that need to be covered if you guys don't tell me what's going on. And if this is helpful, please share the episode. And for you new, anyone new, there's a little tiny subscribe button. All you got to do is hit it and you won't miss an episode. But Sonda, seriously, thank you for coming back on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, until our next broadcast next month, we will just say goodbye to our listeners and that let them know too that we genuinely pray for all of you. We are praying for the listeners. We pray for people who write in. We really take that seriously. Give us your feedback. Yeah, we, we want to know. We want to know. Are, are, I mean, are, is this helpful to you? If, it's, if it is, where else, where else are you having questions? Because that's pretty much where I want to go. I want to serve you guys. So with that, I'll sign off and we will speak again next time. This has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze. Bye. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.